Hello, and welcome to Quantum Conversations with Sarah Kleiner and Carrie Bennett. We are so excited about this new podcast. We are going to talk all about quantum health from more of the female viewpoint, but just the average person's viewpoint to make this information accessible so that you can start to implement it in your daily life. I'm going to be broadcasting this on my YouTube channel as well as my podcast for the first four episodes, but I really want to encourage you to go and follow us on the podcast app as well as the brand new YouTube channel where we're going to be posting these videos every single week. So the first four episodes, if you're seeing this introduction, make sure you head on over to the Quantum Conversations YouTube channel as well as the Quantum Conversations audio-only podcast so you can follow the new episodes after these first four are published on my channel, the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel and the Evolving Wellness podcast. Those will be linked for you down in the show notes. I also want to let you know I'm posting in the show notes my free guides to building your perfect quantum day as well as Carrie's free guides. She's got some amazing guides and resources, my courses as well as Carrie's courses. If you want to dive deeper with any of this information, definitely get those free guides, mine and Carrie's and check out our courses as well. I hope that you enjoy this episode and have a fantastic day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Quantum Conversations with Carrie and Sarah. And today we're going to talk all about circadian rhythms, right, Carrie? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this it was my entry point into like, what are you talking about? Like when I started to learn about sunlight and light and and how it could support my body, circadian rhythm was the buzzword that kept on coming up. And so I think it's really important to explain to people what circadian rhythm is, and then some support strategies that they could use. Yeah, I think so. And it's, I always tell the story of before I did a carnivore diet, before I was like on this like health journey searching, the idea of circadian health was presented to me. And I just was like, no, that can't be it. It's too simple. That just it doesn't make sense. And it wasn't until I was like on this health journey and this quest till I actually was open-minded enough to listen and to understand the importance of these things. So I think for anybody listening, we're going to try to make it so that maybe this is your first stop rather than your last stop. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Because frankly, it's easy to implement when you know a couple of key things to do. So it's not like we're asking you and it's free or very darn close to free, depending on how you block artificial light at night. And so I really hope that that these are things that people just try, right? It's There's zero harm in trying the strategies that we talk about today. Yeah. And the simplicity factor, I think, is key because I've had a lot of people that maybe they listen to like Dr. Huberman's podcast, which he puts out a lot of good information. But Sometimes I think that that information is conveyed in such a way that it's like, you can't have a job, like you can't have a life, you have to devote this X amount of time, or it's not going to be helpful, right? I think people kind of look at this as like a complicated all or nothing type of approach. But you and I both have kid, like multiple kids and husbands, busy lives, all of that stuff. And we've been able to make it work. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we've been able to make it work for so many clients as well because of the fact that we figured out how to support circadian rhythm in a very basic way. The body, like, listen, the human body can adapt so well. We've adapted to live in really cold climates. The human body's adapted to live in really hot climates, to live on tops of mountains. Like, the human body can adapt very well. 
but it just needs the signals that that allow it to adapt and sync and organize all of its functions. And one of those signals is light. And so that's why I think that if you can get some key light exposures and understand truly how light impacts us and our health, then you're going to recognize, oh, okay, so just that 30 seconds alone going outside can do something to support my body in a pretty profound way. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe, I don't know if we want to do like a brief little overview of why it's important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like we're, we're very complex organisms. And so what that basically means is there are at at least 100,000 tasks or jobs or reactions happening in every single one of our cells, every single second. And so if that wasn't organized by some signaling or some, some control messaging happening in the body, then it would be utter chaos. So right there alone, we recognize that because we have all of these tasks happening, something has to be, you know, optimizing when certain tasks take place. And so that's where we get this idea of a circadian rhythm, meaning within a 24 period of time, 24 hour period of time, a period of daylight and a period of darkness, the body actually recognizes, okay, to be really efficient at organizing all these tasks, let me make sure that I prioritize or really choose correct times of the day to make me better at things. So for example, I'm going to be way better at digesting food in the middle of the day than I am in the middle of the night, because in the middle of the night, I wouldn't have been able to easily find, hunt, gather food, and then, you know, assimilate it appropriately, right? It just wouldn't, it just doesn't make logical sense. So the body has been researched based on what what things are optimized to certain times of the day versus certain times of the night. And it turns out we've got everything pretty much synced on a circadian rhythm. So the body keys in on the time of day to organize all of its tasks. And when we can sync our brain and our eyes up to that key signal that tells our body what time of day it is, then we can organize all these tasks as well, which just makes us really efficient human beings and really, really good at uh, doing things like digestion when it's appropriate versus tissue, deep tissue repair when we're sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have like specific hormones, obviously, like our master hormones, melatonin and cortisol. They're supposed to, we have to have cortisol in the day and melatonin at night. And the biggest signal that drives cortisol is blue light coming in through the eyes. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if so- we are looking at blue light after dark, then we're not going to be able to make melatonin, which, I mean, if we don't have those two hormones down pat, if our body is not making those at the right times, everything else is going to be messed up. right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The brain actually really keys in on the pineal secretion of melatonin as a main, main timekeeper. And the pineal gland secretion of melatonin is suppressed when there's either bright light or light that contains blue wavelengths. And so we'll go into a little bit more depth in in a little bit about why blue and what blue does. But that means that anytime I'm perceiving either bright light, such as from a screen or a TV or a bulb um, or sunlight, right? Or sunlight, my pineal gland is not secreting melatonin. It's not making and secreting melatonin, which indicates that the day is keep still got daytime, 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 daytime. 
And so what happens though, when we start to see blue light or bright light before the sunrise, and then also after sunset and into the period, the the hours where it should be dark outside, what happens then is you get the brain and the body going like, that's a hell of a long day. Like, holy cow, right? And so it tries to regulate its its hormones in response to it. So you'll oftentimes mm-hmm. see surges of cortisol and things be like, oh, wait, the day has started. Oh, wait, wait now, now it's really daytime. Oh, wait, I thought the day was over. Oh, wait, nope, it's daytime again. And so that, and then again, then you're going to get the suppression of melatonin. So right there, that's just two hormone pathways that rely intensely on appropriate light signaling or darkness signaling to then optimize their release. And those hormones are then in control of so many other cascades and pathways, especially melatonin for all the repair that ha- that melatonin does at night when we sleep. It's simple, it's simple to see that if we don't get those signals optimized and those hor- that hormone really synced up to the appropriate light and dark signals, a lot can go awry. Yeah. And then leptin is supposed to talk to the hypothalamus during that period of 12 to 2, like kind of a hibernation time. And that can't happen. Leptin is going to regulate our thyroid, our immune system, our sex hormones, body weight, appetite, all that stuff. And if that's not happening, because again, we're making cortisol and we should be making melatonin at that time, we're not getting into those deeper repair states, then everything's going to be screwed up. So a lot of people will come to me and say, I have a hormone imbalance. I have hormone issues. And I'm like, before you go get a Dutch test, you spend $500 on that test, which you, it will measure your melatonin and cortisol. Why don't you just look at melatonin and cortisol first, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, know, before you go and try to test all these other little separate hormones, because if those two are off, I will guarantee you, you've got some sort of other hormonal balance as well. Right. hundred percent. It's a great idea. Great solution with that. Because if, if cortisol is off, melatonin are off, cortisol actually is, it's a steroid hormone. So it's in the mm-hmm. same class and family as estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, because they all come from pregnenolone, this master mm-hmm. hormone and pregnenolone gets made in the mitochondria and it gets made in the mitochondria in response to blue light, basically entering the eyes and entering the environment first thing in the morning. And that kick, it kicks off that whole pathway. So, but imagine what happens, like, right, if we all of a sudden have blue light kick off, kick off at those, that, uh, the hypothalamus signaling to the mitochondria at 4 a.m. before the sun rises. Okay. Well, we're going to get some, okay, cortisol is made, but that's it's just not going to be cortisol. That pregnenolone gets made and some of it becomes cortisol. Some of it becomes the steroid hormones. Well, then we get another surge. Maybe we drink a lot of coffee, have some stress, right? There's things that can cause these surges. And then again, mm-hmm. you have the cortisol being elevated at night after it's dark when we're not supposed to have any light in our environment. Again, a cortisol surge, which is preceded by pregnenolone increase, which means that you're going to have lots of times really whacked out steroid hormones in these panels that you test. And it really, it's fundamentally because of the wrong light signaling to release cortisol and to release melatonin. I will see so many hormone profiles rebalance themselves appropriately Mm -hmm. without doing things that like even like dim or things like that are meant to like, oh, you're you're estrogen dominant, take dim. It's like, well, that, listen, dim can, may be a benefit, right? There, there are circumstances where dim can be a benefit, but let's optimize your light environment first so that you're only releasing and making steroid hormones at the time of day where they're really supposed to be released and optimized. And then let's see what comes into play. 
Yeah. And then, the, I mean, I think the problem with things like DIM, people usually are guessing. People are like, I know I'm estrogen dominant, so I'm going to start taking DIM. And I'm like, well, what if you're actually not? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, then you're you're pushing things down, you're suppressing things even more and bring, digging yourself a bigger hormonal ditch. And, and so I think that's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I try to shy away from that stuff unless we are really optimizing cortisol, melatonin, like we've got those where they need to be. Like there's a curve like cortisol in the mornings. You want it to rise up with kind of like with the sun and then kind of go down. And then at the end of the day, then we start, you know, once we're in darkness and starting to get into that rest, relax zone, we start making the melatonin. And then again, cycle that, make it, and then it starts to rise. And that's what wakes us up in the morning. But if those things are not optimized, then we are going to struggle with hormone imbalance. And I don't even like to have people do, I mean, people are like, I want to do testing. And I know they are with you. Like, I know you've had people that are like, I don't even want to work with you because you're not telling me to do a bunch of testing. But you and I both, when we work with people, we're like, let's work on this stuff first. And then if after like 60 to 90 days, you're not where you want to be and optimize, then sure. Maybe let's run something like a Dutch test and like, and maybe get a little more nerdy and a little more targeted with a few things. We're not against those things. We're just kind of like, yeah, a lot of things, like you said, those, a lot of those panels can balance and normalize when we work on these two things and the signal for cortisol and melatonin, both light. They all, they're, they're both very, very light dependent. So, yeah, you know, I've had, I had on that. Yeah. Working on that makes a huge difference. It, it this just reminds me, Sarah, of a conversation I was having at a, in my uh, private Q and a right before this with a clinician. And she was asking, well, how do you know if your circadian, your circadian rhythm is intact without, without testing? And I say like, there's, you, you're, there's signals, like as a clinician, there's things that I look for, right? Number one, there are behavioral things that are big red flags to me. Okay. Wakes up before sunrise, goes to the gym to work out, right? Mm-hmm. That typically to me means that they're not protecting their eyes. They're under fluorescent light. They're really elevating their body. They're getting their body revved up, including that the, the light entering their eyes, stimulating hormone production when it's not synced to the sunlight. So things like, what are you, what are, what is one's living? What, like, what does their lifestyle look like before sunrise? Mm-hmm. What about how much are they in front of a screen all day long? How many light breaks can they get? Do they get, how much time are they getting outside in morning light? And I don't think we need to spend like, you know, Sarah and I kind of talk about this sometimes behind the scenes. You don't need to be outside all morning long for three hours naked, right? Like you don't, you don't need to do that to get the signaling appropriate, but you do need to be outside at key windows of time in the morning to support your health and to support your circadian rhythm. So I asked about some of those key windows of time. If someone's in front of a screen or under fluorescent light or in an office environment where there's no natural light exposure, well, likely you're not syncing that circadian clock in your brain up to the right signals all day long. What's your use of sunglasses? What does your mm-hmm. life look like when you get home? You know, how late do you go to bed? So if, if someone consistently has a bedtime after 10 PM to me, mm-hmm. that's a big indication that their, that their circadian rhythm is not fully intact because 10 PM is when the body wants to surge and release so many deep tissue repair hormones like human growth hormone in conjunction with the surge of melatonin and other things that will support the body's healing of its physical tissues. 
And if we start to delay that and delay and delay it later and later, we're not going to sync up all those repair hormones. Um, and so just a little, when one, someone wakes up, like, do you wake up multiple times throughout the night? How, how restorative does your sleep feel? I'm, and I'm not saying like, listen, I'm a mom, right? I don't have amazing sleep all the time. There's right. stretches where you're just like, oh, my kid's afraid of the dark again. How'd that happen? <laughs> like, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, like, but you, you can work through that and support your circadian yeah. rhythm, even in those, in, in those situations. And so I would much rather go on like asking clients questions and kind of putting together how their body feels and is operating and, and lifestyle at different times of the day than seeing even a, like a, a salivary melatonin and cortisol, diurnal cortisol panel, which would provide me with some information. Let me know what they're, what those hormones are doing, but it's, is it necessary? Not really, not really when you can ask the right questions. I agree. I totally agree. It's like, we're so conditioned to have to test everything and have to have data for everything, but you, you, you know, and it's kind of like the same thing with like fitness trackers and, um, the app. I just got an email today of someone that's like, okay, I'm doing your leptin course. And I kind of see that my Apple watch is probably not optimal, probably not a good idea. Is it okay if I wear it hiking in the woods <laughs> and I don't wear it at night anymore? And I'm like, I mean, I'd Step rather in the right not. direction, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's, it's still not going to be ideal, but no, you know, when you've had a good night of sleep, that's, that's the hard thing for people to like wrap their heads around. They're so addicted to having like data from their Apple watch to tell them how much sleep they're getting. And it's like, I mean, you kind of know if you woke up a lot in the night, you kind of know if you had good sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like people to be in their bodies a hundred percent. I find that the, the issue with a lot of these data trackers is the fact they're constantly emitting radiation, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's, let's cut to the chase. That's what they do. They emit wireless radiation. And I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to be sleeping at night with my head under mm -hmm. like my arm under the pillow and having my head mm -hmm. resting on top of radiation. It's been yeah. shown to tank your mitochondrial function, open your blood brain barrier, uh, cause ex excessive oxidative stress or inflammation. I mean, like lots of things that I would want to potentially not have happen by, by exposing myself to that. So um, yeah. And so that number one, people rely on their data trackers a lot, but they're emitting radiation and then they're not in their physical bodies. It's like, they're mm -hmm. not in their physical bodies being like, Oh, what is my energy? Like, what is my activity? Like how active have I been today? Well, let me see how many steps I've taken. You know, it's like, right. well, that's one tracker, but like you, like ask yourself, how active have I been today? You know, like what right. things have you done? So, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of those, those data trackers. I think that an aura ring on airplane mode has a time and a place for some people to give some interesting information, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I would much rather just ask people questions and have them be with their bodies and answering a symptom profile, as opposed to giving me data from a, a salivary test or data showing me what their deep sleep was from their whoop or something like that. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing I think that's making us sicker and that's making us more um, addicted to, you know, our issues of like, 
I have this sleep issue. I have this uh, imbalanced hormone. I have this diagnosis. And I think we get kind of addicted to those test results and like having some sort of a reason or an outcome when the answer is just a lot more simple than a lot of us would give it credit for. It's like, no, you need to set your circadian rhythms. You need to eat a little bit more locally, seasonally, stop eating the processed foods and block artificial light at night, get to bed before 10 PM. Um, and, and stop making excuses. Um, I know we, you, cause you and I've got kids, I've got a seven, almost eight month old and he literally just slept for, through the night for the first time Saturday, <laughs> you know? So I've had about eight months of a baby not sleeping through the night and I've had to really troubleshoot through that, you know, like use strategic, like red night lights, wear blue blockers and, and, and then just kind of be more patient with myself if I don't have the best energy or if I'm not losing the baby weight, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it because (laughs) my body is not hitting some of those deeper reparative restore sleep cycles more than likely. Um, and you just kind of do your best with those situations. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so cliche to be like, it's a lifestyle change, but it really, it has to be there's, Mm -hmm. I've never seen one exercise program or diet or, or, you know, protocol where someone just did that for their 21 days or their three months or even six months. And then it's like, okay, now I can go back to the lifestyle that got me there in the first place. So as cliche as it is, it really is a lifestyle. And if you, if you consistently, not perfectly, but if you consistently implement things for the rest of your life that you know are going to support circadian rhythm, which will support mitochondrial health, which will support deep sleep and deep tissue repair, those are foundational to a foundational way to live your life, to try to be the healthiest version of you that you can be. And so that's why I do like these strategies because and I've said this, and I hope my track record stays consistent. People who implement these feel a difference, notice a difference, and they don't, they never say, I'm going to go back to living my right. old lifestyle. They just don't. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my leptin reset program is a 21 day leptin reset, but you're not just meant to do it for 21 days. 100% like- because you know <laughs> that these people are getting, it's 21 days to implement these habits that are right. ultimately ways for them to improve their lifestyle in the long run, you know? And so exactly. it's, it's, listen, I, I, I've marketed stuff like that, right? Like, because people want a time frame with which to do things. Mm-hmm. But the goal of what, what we teach is that you get addicted to natural light. You right. want, you're, you're ready to put your blue blockers on at a certain time of night, right? Cause yeah. you know that all of a sudden, like staring at that TV without them just feels off. It doesn't feel right anymore. And so you'll notice those are the changes that happen. And yeah, you know, can it, can that happen within three weeks of time? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's what most people say. They're like, okay, I finished the 21 days, but I don't want to go back to my old ways. I don't want to watch TV at night. I don't want to sleep in and miss sunrise. I'm addicted to morning light. Like I'm addicted to eating my breakfast outside or getting grounding or some of the things that you're teaching about. I don't want to go back. And so it's kind of like a, the way I get them in is say it's a 21 day reset, but it's really just meant to be practiced for, for the rest of your life, you know, and the year, the program's been out for a full year now. 
And I have people that did it with me. I did a live, um, a live version of it when I first released it. And I still have those people that did that with me with the live version. A lot of them are a private group. A lot of them I still keep in touch with on Instagram and they're still doing that stuff that they were introduced to a year ago. And they, they don't want to stop and they're not planning on stopping anytime soon because they feel so good. And they're like, wow, was it actually that simple all along for me to get my health back on track? I, you mean, I didn't need to, you know, get this detox protocol and do this, you know, extreme diet and do all this other stuff. It really was more simple than that. It's more simple than that. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to go into in a second, like how the brain tells time using light, because mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing to understand yes. in all of this with circadian rhythm. But I do want to say that I think there are some modalities, support modalities that pair really well with circadian rhythm and circadian biology, uh, quantum health. And that would be things like nervous system assistance, right? Mm-hmm. So the people who deal with nervous system dysregulation, um, I, I am a big fan of things like homeopathy acupuncture, a chiropractic mm-hmm. care. I think there's a lot of, a lot of modalities that are very supportive of, of health in general. Um, but what I do find is that all of those therapies also are typically, they, they simplify things as well. It's not, mm-hmm. you have these test results, take these 10 supplements and then come mm-hmm. back in six weeks and we'll test you again. And you're going to take another, maybe 10 supplements. And that is what I find to be uh, the least successful route I've seen. But when I have clients who truly heal from some of these crazy chronic conditions from, from Lyme, mold, uh, cancers, like you, you name it, it's because they, they've really simplified their support in a way that doesn't involve supplements and testing. It involves things like let my, let my body know what time of day it is. Let my nervous system know that I'm safe. Let me, let me get into this deep sleep. Let me maybe help with my physical alignment of my spine. You know, let, let me do certain things that I know my body just relies on just for optimum human health in general. Um, and then the results, the results follow. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've talked to so many people as I know you have, and I've had the same experience myself where I try to go that route of let's test and, oh, you're low on this and low on that. And you have this imbalance here. So let's throw all these supplements on them. And not only do those imbalances not get fixed, you end up feeling worse a lot of the time, a lot of the time, you know? And so I've just, I used to think all that stuff was really interesting. You kind of go into like the alternative health world and you're like, okay, we all agree. The allopathic medicine has a time and a place for acute, you know, like you're going to die type of situations, emergency situations. There's a time, it's time and a place for that. So we, we get on that page, but then we're like functional medicine. Yeah, this is different. It's all, it's, you know, we're going to test and we're really going to get to the root cause, but I, I, you know, not to knock any functional medicine practitioners. I just haven't personally experienced finding root cause, (laughs) find a lot of stuff that makes me really freaked out. And spend a lot of money on supplements, again, not not helpful and imba- creates more imbalances. And so, yeah, I think the things you mentioned, like homeopathy, chiropractic care, nervous system work. I know some people with- who do really great with just using legit 
herbal remedies, like not a true supplement blend of here's your B complex with your, you know, CoQ10 and blah, blah. like, uh, I've had, I've had, I see practitioners who legit use just really great herbal remedies, uh, in conjunction with these types of supports from the nervous system to the emotional trauma, people who, did, who really support the, the trauma, um, the uh, aspect of healing that then see great results, but it's, it's just, you're right. It's the testing and then the supplementing that I've just not seen come to fruition in terms of its really tr- ability to truly heal. Exactly. Yeah. So That's getting back to these, it is a journey it too, is. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of take it in layers, you know, <laughs> so many of us are just like, I've been sick for, and I've been struggling for all these years. I want to be better like now. And the cool thing about circadian rhythms and getting your circadian health back on track is I see people correcting circadian rhythms in as little as three days and yeah. starting to sleep better, have more energy, feel better in as literally as little as three days. So yes. not having to go through like, I'm going to get a test and I'm going to wait for the results. Then I'm going to order these supplements and I'll wait for those to show up. And then I'm going to add those in and wait for the results for the, of that to show up or not. You know, it's, it's more like, okay, you get up in the morning and don't look at your phone, (laughs) put on a pair of blue blockers. If you have a family that still turns on a bunch of lights and then you go outside with no blue blockers, no glasses, nothing on look face East, maybe put your bare feet on the ground and stay out there a minute or so, go back inside, take care of the family, do what you got to do. Then get back out there, UVA, you know, and if Mm -hmm. you can take a little walk during that time. Awesome. If you can't, if you don't have time, just spend the time out there. And then throughout the day, take breaks to go outside and continue to inform your body of what time of day it is. It also tells your body what time of year it is because our hormones and our microbiome both shift on a seasonal basis. And, you know, our hormones as, as females, they shift on a cyclical basis too. When we see sunrise, we're also getting a little bit of the moon, we kind of see where the moon is in the sky. Also, it's, it's out there at that time too. And so that can help to, ins- to sync up your infradian rhythm as well, even if you're not a, a woman who's cycling. So there's, there's so much and, and people are like, you know, my cycle was all screwed up. And then I started doing this circadian rhythm thing. And now it's, it's shifted <laughs> to, to sync up with the moon. I'm like, yep, yeah, because your body never really was exposed to that. You know, you weren't giving yourself the time to actually allow your body to know what time of day it is, know what time of year it is, all that stuff, because you're just stuck in this artificial environment all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you alluded to those two key, it it appears as though that for me, the morning hours of light that you can get from sunrise until what's called solar noon. So Mm -hmm. there's this like changing of light that happens. I just want people to understand and our eyes are, our eyes are like sensors of the colors of light, right? So if, if any of us have seen light through a prism or a rainbow, it's split up into the colors of the rainbow and there's colors outside of that's called the visible spectrum. It's colors that we can see light that we can see, but outside of it is the ultraviolet range and the infrared range. And all of those infrared visible light and ultraviolet light are biologically impactful to us. They make a difference to our health when we get them, when we get those signals consistently. And so um, what I found fascinating before, I'll go into how we sync up, but what I found fascinating, I in a, for a, a post that I'm actually releasing today, I dove back into some of the heliotherapy research and the heliotherapy mm-hmm. clinics 
Yeah. So for people who don't realize, like back in the mid 19th, early 20th century, heliotherapy clinics were the rage. They were huge. And that's a helio means sun. So this was just like this idea of using the sun as a therapy for, for clinical purposes, for therapeutic purposes. They're, they were huge. Um, and these are, they're mostly off located on mountain, mountainous regions. So Switzerland, for example, is a really prime area for heliotherapy. And what the practitioners, the doctors who ran these clinics recognize as well is they said they found there was something magical about morning wavelengths of light, specifically morning wavelengths of UV light, right? They, and this was just anecdotal before that just, you know, working with thousands and thousands of patients, they recognize the importance of getting their patients out into the morning UV light. Um, and so Sarah, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. And what they also found too with it, with their heliotherapy clinics was that um, it appears as though there is zero benefit derived from morning light when one is wearing sunglasses. I was like, yeah, ah, because the yeah. light entering the eyes and on the skin, it's about the eye, the signaling, the sinking of the signals into the eyes and onto the skin. And so this has been known for a very, very long time. But unfortunately, the main heliotherapy guy, Auguste Rollier, the, a doctor who had many, many clinics, when he died, when did he die? Maybe 1950s, uh, things went by the wayside, right? We started having the boom of the pharmaceutical industry. We had then the, this, this whole campaign of the sun causing cancer. You got to protect yourself, stay out of the sun, stay safe. Meanwhile, in Rollier's clinics, he showed that sunlight alone, therapeutic application of sunlight, a lot of morning sunlight um, work was able to reverse or treat at least 176 different disease conditions. So wow. it's it's like it's like the, the most therapeutic drug you could possibly imagine, and it's free and it's available. So I just am saying this to emphasize the fact that this type of healing therapy has been around for a long time. And before this, so many different world religions recognized the sun as this power right? had that had this healing power. So it was revered or deified or recognized that there was some importance to sunlight. And so, you know, it's really just been within the past, I don't know, 70 years, it seems like 80 years where we've just forgotten about it and we haven't realized it. And so it's forever. It's, it's been it's like been oh, demonized it's too. Been we've been demonized. taught to fear it. And I mean, I was just reading through this whole thread the other day of like, you should, you know, about wearing sunscreen indoors and why it was in a, it was in a natural crunchy mom's group. And I was like, oh my God, what, <laughs> you know, how dangerous it is. And you even need to wear sun. Honestly, though, I mean, if you are going to be exposed to sunlight through a window, it is, I think, more dangerous than it would be if you're just outdoors getting the unfiltered, you're getting at least the red wavelengths to help protect infrared. your skin mm -hmm. and the infrared, you know, like you're not just through a window is like you're getting more blue light than anything so well and you're also yeah through a window you're getting concentrated blue light well, that's why when they talk about truck drivers having greater incidence of skin cancer yep. or issues on the left side um having to do with the fact that yeah guess what that's light that's sunlight and not in its natural form that is sunlight that's an got alien the, light form an alien light form it's sunlight that's been that has eliminated all of or a lot of the infrared majority of the red and the ultraviolet as well. So if, if, if truck drivers are still getting skin cancer on this mm -hmm. side and they're eliminating the ultraviolet, ask yourself, is it art? Is it the unnatural blue light and unnatural spectrum that one is receiving? That's the biggest issue. And so like back in the day, right back in the early 1900s, there was, there was two camps. There was all these heliotherapy researchers who were like, and clinicians who were like, 
woohoo, sunlight heals everything. And then you had like these laboratory researchers who were studying ultraviolet light from what are called arc lamps, which if any of you have mm -hmm. seen people welding, right, you see that bright, intense light. That's, that's an arc lamp. And that is just ultraviolet light. So right. it's so, again, yeah, it's just like a tanning bed, basically. Outside right? of, yeah, there's zero other light that balances it. And so they were, mm -hmm. they were using arc lamps and shining it at cell cultures and be like, oh yeah, look, it does damage the DNA. It, do it can cause mutations and cancer and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, because you're shining a freaking UV porch basically on cells and you're right. not, it, it's not a natural exposure to the light. And so as the, as the history turns out, right, we kind of know which camp won. The camp that was like, look, UVA directly, or UV light directly damages cells. Voila, mm -hmm. this is why we have to fear the sun. Yep. It's just such a, it's so unfortunate because I think of all of the lost healing potential that we could have gained from recognizing that these heliotherapy clinics were just wildly successful in treating patients with so many different conditions. Yeah, and you know, that, that brings me to like, I haven't been able to find a study showing damaging benefit, I mean, damaging effects of the sun that wasn't done with one of these narrow band UV lamps. Like I haven't been able to find one. Um, have you? You know, the only effects that I've seen is that over application of the sun can cause photo aging. Oh, right. definitely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Where, right. And that's the thing I think the nuance that gets left out when you talk about sun is like, we're not saying to go spend like your entire day naked in the sun, especially if you're like a Fitzpatrick skin type one, mm -hmm. you know, I wear my, my, uh, my mom visor that my husband still makes fun of, you know, <laughs> I, pro I protect my face or I go in the shade when my time limit in the sun is over. Um, because yeah, you absolutely can photo age your skin and you can, you can cause issues with your skin if you overexpose it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overexposure to UV will degrade it, will degrade your collagen, right? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But that's yep. why the body has built in signals to tell you when you've received enough sunlight for the day. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you want to kind of time yourself in the sun, you can use the DMinder app, put in your skin type and it'll tell you turn over or get out of the sun. And I recommend listening to that. Don't override that because you think like I'm going to get all these extra benefits. No, it's, it's about getting the right amount and the safe amount of sun exposure. And most people are getting like none, you know, mm -hmm. before I was understanding any of this information, I never got sun. I just, you know, I was like, oh, if I, and if I did get sun, I was putting on sunscreen, protecting myself, thinking I was doing the right thing. Um, and I was like, not trying to lay out and get color or any of that stuff because I thought that I was super dangerous for my body. But now it's whenever I can get a free moment, I am trying to lay out, get some sun, get some, get some color and, and some safe sun exposure because I've seen it be a huge health benefit for me and help my sleep and energy and mood and hormones and all of that stuff, because I understand a lot of the stuff that you and I are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing, right? Like my, my relationship with the sun was occasionally on the weekends, maybe a backyard barbecue. Mm -hmm. I would only maybe lay out if we were at our family's cottage a couple of times throughout the summer. But other than that, I was inside all the time. I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it. Like it was, didn't find any need to go outside at key windows of time. 
that's misusing sunlight, right? That's the way we were intended to actually get sunlight. And even these therapeutic, these therapy clinics, and even some of the research that showed like sunlight exposure, regular sunlight exposure correlated with a 50% reduction in breast cancer Mm -hmm. and prostate cancer Mm -hmm. in like Mm -hmm. amazing, like these amazing studies out there, even a reduction in death from melanoma, the populations that had the greatest sunlight exposure had the least uh, opportunity, chance of dying from melanoma. Um, Exactly. And so what these clinics are showing and what the research is like really leading up to and what we're seeing in practice is that it's about the consistent application of it in a therapeutic window of time which could be 20 minutes a day. It's not, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be, like you said, two hours, four hours, eight hours laying out in the sun that can definitely overdo things. But the majority of people are even deficient in that little window of time, consistently getting sun exposure through, through the full body, if at all possible. Um, It's just not a thing. And I didn't know it was a thing until I knew it was a thing. And now I make it a priority and it makes all the difference in the world. Right. And then when we talk about safe sun exposure, we have to include the exposure to sunrise and to UVA because those windows, like sun exposure should be cumulative throughout the day. Like getting that signal in your eyes and on your skin in sunrise light and then in UVA light, it helps to prepare your body to synthesize vitamin D when it is available to kind of have a protective mechanism so that we can spend more time out in the sun. And so when we talk about safe sun exposure, it's not just go out at that one time, don't wear sunglasses, use a deminder. You want to have done the work before you go out in the sun as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's about layering it on. So yeah. that's a good transition into why, what happens with the sun, right? So it, it we, we have it through a rainbow or through a print or through a prism or rainbow. We see the different colors, but those ratios or amounts of each color are never stagnant. There's always a change in them all day, right? From dawn to sunrise to UVARIS, all the time, the, the, the wavelengths are changing and either we're either adding new wavelengths into the mix or, or we're taking wavelengths away from the mix. Or we are getting to this point where there's um there the intensity of them is getting more and more. So that's what you have to recognize. That's why sunlight is a signal because yes. it's ever, we're, we're, we're keying in on all those colors and the human body might not use every color. I bet you we do. We don't know enough yet. We um, don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, but certainly like, yeah. every, there, certainly every, there is a creature on the planet that uses every wave. Like there's some maybe extract more wavelengths in more in one range than the other, but all those wavelengths are important for life, whether it's human life or other. And what you recognize is that we key in on the fact that it's ever changing. So for example, before sunrise until after sunrise, a big transition happens. And that's where all of a sudden the amount of blue light reaches a certain intensity where it's the very similar intensity into the as the red and the infrared wavelengths. And that's a key signal to, to my hypothalamus and to my, well, to my suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is the clock in my brain which sits right next to my hypothalamus that tells my hypothalamus, okay, in t- initiate the start of the day stuff, right? All the processes that we need to really focus on for the start of the day, which one of them we already talked about was communicating to the mitochondria to make pregnenolone and then pregnenolone becomes cortisol. So we see this natural surge in cortisol at the start of the day. And it's because of the light signaling, that blue light matching the red and the infrared. 
Yes. Then when the sun gets a little higher, like the blue and the red, and the, everything intensifies, intensifies, intensifies. Then ultraviolet A appears. That's a key a frequency of light that signals support for neurotransmitter production. So dopamine, serotonin, um, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine. It's also beneficial for thyroid hormone health and thyroid function. Um, and so that's, you get a lot of benefits when you get that, that transition metabolism. There's so many metabolic markers, inflammation, libido, you name it. UVA really does a lot of support when that transition happens. And then as the sun gets higher, it's when the sun is 30 degrees above the horizon, you have every color of light possible. You have the infrared, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, ultraviolet A, and then ultraviolet B. And ultraviolet B, when it touches our skin, it makes vitamin D in all of its meta metabolites. So it's not just the same thing as taking vitamin D from a supplement. That's vitamin D in one form. When it strikes our skin, it makes dozens of different forms of vitamin D called metabolites. And so then we'll get another thing. When we get full body sun exposure, then that's another kind of key window of time to signal in on uh, balancing out our sex hormones. Uh, it works well with um, pr like producing vitamin D that supports immune health. So uh, you'll see a lot of benefit for autoimmune conditions or uh, uh, if you're prone to infections or if you're getting over or trying to get over a cold or things, vitamin D from the sun is very, very key in that window of time. And so then the sun intensifies every, all those colors that intensify until solar noon when the sun is at the high point of the sky and then they start to go away. Whereas you get ultraviolet B leaving first, then ultraviolet A, then ultraviolet A, then eventually all the colors of the rainbow leave until after sunset, all that's really present and we're really um, picking up on, on our receptors in our body are really the red and the infrared, the oranges, the yellows, the colors that we would see in fire, campfire. But for all intents and purposes, blue light has left our world. There's no more blue. And so if our receptors in our eyes and on our skin start picking up a blue wavelength of light, it's very confusing at that point, which is why we say sometime around sunset or what I call also nightfall is when I encourage my clients to put their blue blockers on, their orange tone blue blockers on so that their pineal gland can start to make all that melatonin, which then signals sleep and repair, recycle, repeat. First thing in the morning, you get the signaling into the eyes again with sunrise. Yep. And that's... So it's, again, like you said in the very beginning, like we're informing our body of the time because every single cell, every single organ system, everything in our body basically has a little time clock in front of it. And nature didn't make a mistake. We are supposed to be synced up to these changing light frequencies. And it's that's how our body kind of works in this beautiful symphony. And the problem that a lot of us face is that we're indoors all the time underneath a light bulb that doesn't change <laughs> its frequency doesn't nothing changes it's like telling your body it's noon it's solar noon and the middle of summertime 24 hours a day 365 days a year because the intensity of the sun is different in the summertime than it is in the winter time, right? Like we were talking about your microbiome and your hormones change seasonally as well. And that signal is again, light on the eyes, light on the skin, on the gut to elicit those specific hormonal and, you know, microbiome changes within the body. And so I think it's just so overlooked, um, kind of the damaging effects of our, of our modern life. And I think people are scared because they're like, okay, well, what if I can't control that? Like, 
ha- you know, I've got a family, I've got a job, I, ha- I have all these things that I have little to no control over. What can I do? You know, because like all this information is really cool and I want to implement it, but like, how in the heck can I make this work? You know? Yeah. And, and we, we do it right. I mean, you very basic guidelines involve things like protecting your, when there's no blue light coming from the sun. So you've got those receptors in your eyes and on your skin called melanopsin receptors, fancy word for a blue light sensor. When there's blue light, not present from the sun, which would be before sunrise and after sunset, you're protecting your eyes from receiving those signals because they're the densest sensor. They're the most sensitive picker upper of blue light in your environment. And so you wear those orange tone blue blockers. That helps you then live your modern life. Like I still watch football at night with my family. I still, I'll, I'll wake up before sunrise when I, during the middle of winter, especially right. To be able to, it's doesn't sunrise. It doesn't rise until eight o'clock. I have to get right. things ready for school, you know, drop, drop kids off. So you'll protect your eyes. Um, and then sync up with key windows of time, go outside at sunrise or around sunrise, consistency over perfection go outside, drive with windows down, have an open window. Uh, you know, I just, right before I hopped on here, I told Sarah, I was like, Hey, I went, I really quickly ran to the bathroom and then I was outside for 30 seconds. I took my coat off and I just got 30 seconds of sun exposure. I just stared at, stared at the sky. Right. It makes a difference when you realize how important that is, that makes a difference. And so doing those little consistent sunlight hits, especially in the morning, UVA, sunrise UVA and UVB, if you can get some full body sun exposure in you with that UVB light, that's really what we need to key in on. Um, so it's, yeah. it's easy to overcomplicate or to say, oh, there's no way I can do that. But we've seen it work in our busy lives. We've seen it work in the lives of teachers factory workers, hospital workers, you know, yep. and is it, is it always good? Is, is one circadian rhythm always going to be uh, perfect if they are working a night shift? No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Air traffic controller, all, w- bouncing shifts. No, not necessarily. But that still doesn't mean you can't derive benefit from syncing up to the light and protecting your sleep and preserving your sleep and that melatonin whenever you can. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, there are definitely some situations where it's harder, but yeah, I've worked with a ton of night shift workers, nurses, doctors, and maybe their things are not perfect, but they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Oh my goodness. I'm losing weight or I have more energy and they're still working night shift. And they, so, I mean, obviously that's not an ideal schedule, (laughs) but some people, they don't have the choice. That's their job. That's what they're doing at this stage of life. Maybe they're going to manifest a different schedule lifestyle in the future. Uh, we'll help you with that too, hopefully <laughs> get the mindset right. But yeah, when, when you can do these things, even if things are not ideal and perfect, you can see really good changes. And so I hope that's like the overarching takeaway message from today's episode and kind of what Carrie and I want to keep talking about in this podcast is like, we want to talk to the everyday person who doesn't maybe have these ideal, you can't run away to the jungle and be shirtless all day. Like, sure. That looks really awesome and fun, but like you got kids, you got a job, you got a mortgage and car, you know, you don't have the first three hours of your morning to like meditate. (laughs) Like we get it. We totally get it. Three hour morning routine. Like, 
Yeah, that's great. Um, but I can't even pee without someone coming in to say good morning exactly. or like, you know, mom, where's my, where's this, where's that? Really? Exactly. <laughs> Trying to like eat, eat my breakfast and get my son. And it's like, this one's screaming and this one's got this problem. And yeah, this one, yep. there's like a, a butt that needs to be wiped somewhere. And <laughs> <laughs> there's always a butt that needs to be wiped. <laughs> exactly. But if you, you make it work, you, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope that this was a helpful conversation and we're going to keep on having more of them. So thank you so much for watching. 